Everything's on. Ow. Everything's on. We are here. Let me move this over here. Hoochie mama. Who? Whoa. That was a. That's a great. Is that what this tequila is doing to you? That's a mic check. Ah. I'm gonna sip on this one. Allegedly. Let's go. Hot diggity damn. Slow down. Welcome, first thing in the morning. This is Chibi and the Werewolf. Coming to you live, live, live. I do not own a werewolf. Welcome, everybody. My name is Chibi. My name is Rooster. This is After Two Tequila Shots, the podcast where we take two tequila shots and then talk about current events. It is uncensored. Unregulated (laughs) by the federal FDA. Unfiltered. Unpredictable. But always distilled. Let's go. Uh, listeners, thank you all so much for tuning in. We appreciate y'all. Episode 14 of the uh, After Two Tequila. L- lucky pods. number 14. Yeah, in some cultures. To some. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what cultures. I just made that up. 14 is seven times two. And if seven is lucky, this is twice as lucky. Yeah. That's uh, the way that I'm going to go ahead and spin it and move on from whatever the fuck we're talking about. It's all good. My name is Rooster. Uh, I am a poet, artist, writer of sorts here in San Antonio, Texas. And I have some really big news for San Antonio in just a little bit that we'll get to. It doesn't matter right now because it's on the docket. Is it on the docket? Yeah. Okay, we'll get to it. Uh, and you uh, also submitted your final draft of your upcoming manuscript yes. to Dr- your publisher. Final draft one. Vinyl Draft 1 is now in the hands of the publisher. Getting ready to be published. I'm so excited for it. I, I, I finished reading through it, and uh, I am happy to report, listeners, that this is going to be a banger of a poetry collection. Mm-hmm. As with everything that Rooster does, it is also an ode to San Antonio, but, you know. I actually tried to get away from that, but, yeah, that didn't <laughs> no, happen. it didn't happen at all. Yeah, it didn't happen. <laughs> My name is Chibi. I'm a poet producer, podcaster, performer, publisher, and community organizer, and I saw Coheed and Cambria. That's why I was giving you the floor. I just I had to go first because I knew we had to get into that ASAP. It was it was great. It was absolutely great. It was the, the final installment in the four-part Neverender series. Uh, we got to meet the band. Saw that. They signed my record. They signed my VIP laminator thing, my sister. Uh, so when they first did the Never Ender thing, they released this like package that you could buy that was the four, four DVDs of each concert that they did. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think it was in the New, the New York concert. Four CDs of the live recordings of each one, mm-hmm. as well as like, you know, some like there was there was a dragonfly thing and and a book that had like photos of the concerts. And if you pre-ordered it, your names were printed in the book mm-hmm. as one of the children of the fence. Mm-hmm. Mine and my sister's names are in there. Right on. And she had the foresight to take the book with her to have them sign the book just to be like, yeah, you know, this is it's a thing. I'm getting emotional. We need to it's totally, we need to totally rip all that off for like publishing purposes. Just if if you're an artist and you're listening, guys, if you're not hitting that kind of level, that's it. Yes, you know, like pre-sale the fuck out of it way before it ever goes to print, and then put people's pre names in the back of the book. I'm with it. Yeah, totally here for it. But um, yeah, it was cool. Saw some old friends uh, from past lives and. Uh, Rocked out, and I, I got some damn good video, some damn good photos. No, the photos look close and good. Shout out to iPhone 13 
Pro. Every, yeah, every time in San Antonio when a major artist comes through, you just a lot of people are there, and you always see the photos and the videos, and they're all pretty far away, whether they're in the Alamo Dome or wherever. Mm. Yours, I was like, is Chibi working for like Vibe Magazine? I was at, on you the were, on were the there. rail. Yeah, you, on the rail. You were there, center stage. Yeah, it was. It was I amazing. could have gotten spit on. Yeah, uh, but I didn't. I didn't. It was interesting because we were there bracing for it and like ready, like, okay, cool. You know, when was the last time we went to a Kohe concert? Oh my God, it was like 2017. And I don't know, like it was a long time ago. And, you know, like every Kohe concert I've ever gone to, like it gets crazy. You know, the music is like metal adjacent, you know. Prog metal. uh, Prog metal. They've opened for like um, Slayer before. And I remember hearing stories of like people being like, who the fuck are these? And then as soon as like, ding, 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 ding. And the room went crazy. It was the tamest Coheed and Cambria concert I've ever been to. Mm. There was zero moshing. Really? And only three crowd surfers. And I mm. think it's because we are all Up there listening to an album that was released 20 years ago. Yeah, it's not 2004 15, no more. Yeah, 15 years ago. And uh, we're all at least in our mid-30s. At least. So um, I was fine with that. Got yeah, to yeah. listen and enjoy the music. You can do it again in another 10 years. Actually, if you, uh, I want to do it again, they're doing this cool thing where they're doing like half the tour and then during the summer going to go hit up some festivals and then they're going to come back and do the rest of the tour and the San Antonio date is in September. So Sweet. if you're a Coheed and Canberra fan and, uh, or you want to be a Coheed and Canberra fan, uh, you can get tickets to the San Antonio show if you're in San Antonio. Yeah. No but- pressure. Let's talk about this tequila. Let's talk about it. So this is what's uh, hot in the streets right now. I went to my local um, bodega slash liquor store. Shout out to Sings on uh, Commerce Street. Uh, this is uh, Casamigos tequila, the George Clooney exclusive, uh, 100% agave azul. This is the reposado. Uh, no fancy, dancy, like, backstory Nothing. on the back. Just- There's a lot of weird kind of official looking documentation on the front uh-huh. as if i'm some sort of tequiladore yeah yeah, who, yeah. Uh, like a limited this. batch sort of thing something you know that it's kind of on par with the tequila it's no fancy schmancy nothing. the price was pretty fancy ooh, schmancy ooh. let me see this bottle yeah and i'm not i don't I, it's not 60 dollars tequila it is not wow yeah i thought you were gonna say 40 no i would have gladly paid 40 for this but no, it this is, is not a 60 dollars tequila it's fine you know it's not bad it it dissipates pretty quickly you you kind of commenting on that after the first shot what do people who drink tequila want? And I mean, I, and not you, because <laughs> <laughs> they want to get shit faced. Well, yeah, I mean, it's always it's always been a puzzling thing to me when you talk about alcohol in general, uh-huh. because I think I remember the literal switch from rum drinking being the big kind of normalized. This is what people get when they're out at clubs, out at bars to now switching over to whiskey. Uh, and then and and whiskey originally was that like hipster switch like like you know we're getting off of uh, we're getting off of the rum and we're moving to whiskey and now mm. it's gin. I think a lot of the hipsters are drinking are drinking the gin. But I don't know. Tequila's always been that wild card out there that you have the aficionados like yourself and mm-hmm. individuals who really like to drink it and explore mm-hmm. the the flavors and notes and uh, fancy dancy 
textures of, of the tequila, but what does the average tequila person want? And, and is it this? I think kind of. I think so. Cause I think in, if we're talking about the average tequila drinker in the United States, they want to take a shot. They want it to have some flavor, but they want, they, they don't want to be in pain. This doesn't burn. No, no. And the, the, the alcohol and the flavor dissipate real quick on this one. You take a swig, you're like, Oh, there's some, Damn, it's gone before I even registered it. Right. So it's like shoot it and move on with your life so that you can uh, go boom, cheese, boom, cheese, boom, cheese, boom, cheese on the dance floor or, or something. Or pick a fight in the parking lot. Yeah, that's right. Or, you know, some toxic masculinity ass grab. I yeah. don't know. You know, like that's that's what this uh, that's that's what this is giving me. I think I, that's why I understand is, why the youth like this one. This is top shelf at, you know, like your 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 dirty discotheque down the street. And I think know. that's why young people think this is like really good tequila because mm. it's got zero burn. It's mm. just that burst of flavor at the beginning mm -hmm. but it dissipates so quickly whereas I like my alcohol to burn a bit yeah. the warmies <laughs> I appreciate the warmies uh, yeah I think there's a difference between the warmies and the burn because you know like mm. we've definitely taken shots of, of certain mm. tequilas where we're like well see oh. the tequila burn I've never been a fan of but like the scotch burn ah. I'm okay with okay uh, certain types of bourbon burn I'm uh -huh. cool with she chill yeah yeah sour mash we can do that all day I like flavor I like fl I look for flavor in a tequila you know I like something do you, how much do you like it to linger I like it to stay a little bit. Yeah, because you know? this, this, she ain't staying. No, she is she's wham, gone. Bam, out your life. She she came in here. She did her thing, and then she bounced out. And if was, I was at a club or bar, because yeah, I wouldn't be at a club. Uh, <laughs> and they charge me. I would Speaking probably of the say up and age. Yeah, twelve to fifteen dollars for a shot of this. I'd be kind of mad. I would be furious. I wouldn't. I don't. But I would imagine that's how much they charge. Yeah, I won't. Eight dollars minimum. Yeah. No, it's definitely twelve. Definitely. This is a $12 shot. And then they do this that is, thing that is, I'm noticing where, where especially like the white owners, they just get two Spanish words and slam them together. So <laughs> it's not amigo. casa and it's not amigo. It's just casa amigo. Casa amigo. Didn't we have a, a We did. Tequila? We had Luna. L Luna Sul. Luna Sul. Luna Sul. There we go. I'm, yeah, I see the trend. This is definitely the white dude bro trying to show off how much money he has because he works in tech to the ladies at the bar kind of tequila. Yeah. Cool. With All that, right. with that being said, George Clooney, stick to your day job, bro. Oh, you got a, you got a drop for that? Yeah, yeah. What up? Stand up. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're here. We are busting out a new segment, and Rooster wants to do it before we get into the major news events. Give recap. a goddamn because it's a great day it's in San Antonio. It's a, it's a great month. It, it's, it's also great major year. news events. So, Hell yeah! But within this new segment, uh, which we actually should have dropped a while ago when we uh, talked about Drag Race, is called "One of Us Doesn't Know What We're Talking About." That's, That's right. So right now, everything is lovely in the city because. On Tuesday, the NBA had the official lottery uh, picks determined. Mm -hmm. You have no idea the words that are about to come out of my mouth. Just say them. Say them. So right now, uh, as the lower teams, the teams who have been doing really bad throughout the last couple seasons, right, they get more of an opportunity to get the 
best new prospects ah. to draft them ah. because it's like you can't just give them all to the good teams. Right? Are you saying that the Spurs is one of the lower teams? Yes, they've um, been bad for like four or five years that, on purpose Okay, because they had to rebuild. Okay, They were like our older players, Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, you got to go away. Okay. You're old, you're retired, we love you. But they had this new, new nucleus uh-huh. that was growing and they're brilliant and we're like, we like them, but they just don't have the juice. Okay. This they are year, juiceless. they were juiceless. <laughs> juiceless Spurs. But this year is an apex number one pick that across the board, people are like, this is a generational talent. They're comparing him to the LeBron James, but he's taller than LeBron James. He's like Hakeem Olajuwon. He's like uh, uh, Lua Sender, a.k.a. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. This guy, everyone's looking at and they're like, this Frenchman, because he's a Frenchman, oh. named Victor Wembenyama, okay. is a generational talent. Okay, And every team is just like pulling their hair out like, damn, I wish I had a shot at him. The Spurs got a shot at him. The Spurs <laughs> landed the number one draft pick. Eat our ass, America. <laughs> yeah. I'm, but shout out to Detroit and shout out to Houston because they were in the running for potentially getting the number one draft pick. But we got it. And we're very happy about that. Uh, they already have the Victor Wembenyama mural up in town. Wow. It's, it's that real. Where is it? There's a local bar that There's has a There's a local bar that has a mural already. And have they picked? Like, no. So, so it was just a lottery. Right. And is to it, pick the order of who's of, going of who, to pick of who when the draft happens. Yes. And, and that's, is it like a, like a, it's like a, like a, a bingo lottery? Yes, with the little balls. With the little ball, like yeah. the lottery. And it's just boom, with the Spurs logo on it. Yeah. Wow. And we won that. We won. Yeah. I saw videos, you know. It was so serious. People were driving down Commerce Street, honking their horns, which we only usually do in playoff situations when we win games. Uh-huh. Or like, you know, we're, we're making our way towards the title. Uh-huh. Um, that's how how desperate it's been over the last five years. I mean, yeah, I've, I feel like I haven't heard about the Spurs because I clearly don't follow sport, sports. Yeah. But, um, you know, I usually hear I'm aware when something major when is happening well. with yeah. the Spurs. So it's been a, a, a it's little long. But I, I saw the videos of people like doing like a live watching of the lottery at bars all across the city and mm-hmm. people just like losing their shit. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, eat our ass, America. Yeah, as as a uh, official ass eater and ass eaten. Yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah, so we got juice now. We got a player who uh, is. I'm, uh, everything's changed. The ticket sales went up three thousand percent. Wow. Spurs merch went up a whole lot. Like people are are very very excited for Victor Wembanyama, and because uh, that's like that's like in, an unspoken certainty. Oh yeah, it's done. Okay. Because, yes. And see, and this is what I was explaining to someone else who just kind of is basketball adjacent but doesn't know the ins and outs really well, uh-huh. is that there is – because their question was, well, how how do they know that this is the person that they want? Uh-huh. And it's literally because all the draft uh, scouts, all the people who are doing the legwork from across the world, across uh, uh, franchises – Everyone has the consensus like this is the guy. Like you can't. There's no question. Okay. This is Shaquille O'Neal coming out of you know college. Like okay. You just have to get this guy. Like it's he's a freak of nature. And this guy's coming out of college. Is that he's actually is? not. He's coming out of the G League, which is this whole. So he's French oh, okay. originally. So 
In France, they the have a G total, League. Yes. Sounds like something Ice Cube would be organizing. Oh, no. He actually does the big three, which is a whole other thing. <laughs> we're getting deep. Yes, we're getting deep into things that, yeah. You're you're leading us down this weird road. I know, I know. I, I am in, in the one of us doesn't know what we're talking about. I'm the one. Yeah. So I'm going to ask the questions sure. and just let you drive this conversation wherever it's going. So the rule is, is, is basketball players in high school who are really, really well, good, they have to at least do one year in college. Or they have to find an alternative. They, they basically League. have to sit out a year. Okay. So one of the, the options they have is they can either go play in Europe mm-hmm. or they can go to what's called the G League, which still is a part of the NBA. It's sort of the, the minor league okay. of, of the NBA. So that's what Victor Wembanyama did. He was in the G League and he was just torching motherfuckers. And everyone's like, oh, my God, I can't wait till this guy comes to the league. Was he torching because he's in the minors and everybody else sucks? Yes, but also prior to that, it's like it's 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 they know how to measure sort of the talent and ability. Okay, I guess. Okay, it's kind of like you just you can you you see the you see what's there. Okay, and it's like without a question, this guy. So they're just gonna pick one person and they're gonna pick Victor and that's it, or like every team only gets to pick one person. Well, there's rounds. So in the first round, yeah. You pick one and everybody else picks after. Yeah. And then it goes back and you pick a second. Yes. But but at that point, all the better players have already probably been picked. Sure, sure. Unless you you have good scouts who pick out like good talent and seek shit out and say, oh, well, this is what our team needs. Over here, underground. Yeah. Because what we need right now is a really strong point guard. Right. Yeah. See, you're sounding like it. You're sounding like it. Yeah. I don't even know what a point guard does. It's cool. It's cool. Okay. I understand this. I'm excited for the Spurs. Uh, it's it's the one, you know, real sports something that I'll get behind. I've been to a Spurs game. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah. The, the flip side of it, though, is that, like, I am not personally distraught whenever sure. <laughs> you know it's not going well yeah, yeah, whereas yeah. there are definitely people in this city that like go into a deep depression when shout it's out like, to shaggy yeah. <laughs> yes uh so yeah i have no i have no emotional investitude i don't think that's a word in in sports but i'm um it's kind of like when the world cup comes around Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Who's doing well? Who go do we Mexico. want to go? Yay, Mexico. Oh, Mexico lost. Okay, well, uh, who's um, next? Go Portugal. All right, Brazil. <laughs> yeah. Here for Brazil. Yeah. Uh, or whatever. So, yeah. But no, Spurs. I'll get, I'll, I'll get behind you. Great. So if you see Wembenyama jerseys around town. Wembenyama. 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 Yeah. So if you see jerseys walking around like that very soon, Uh now you have some context. I know who this person is, and we're excited to see what this person will do for the future of the Spurs. That's exactly what I want you to tell that person in that jersey when you see them. (laughs) (laughs) Just say all that. Just I know who that is, and we are very excited to see what they do in the future. Future of the Spurs. Yes. Uh, whatever else is happening well, in America. Because nothing else matters Stop. right now. No. If you live in San Antonio, nothing else matters. Damn. It's all good. Meant to put that away. All right, time for the major news events recap. The recap. It's the recap of what's going on. Okay, I put this in here. I put these two bullet points in here, and I feel like they kind of lead yeah. into each other are kind of similar. I was just curious to see where the conversation would go if we if we start here. So... It's two things. Uh, first, uh, Disney officially came out this week and said they are canceling their plans to build a $1 billion campus 
that they were going to do in Florida, which is, you know, where Disney essentially lives. They pulled out. They said no. They said, fuck you, Florida. And for context, Florida... When Disney came out against the Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida. Ron DeSantis got his little undies, his tidy whities that I'm sure he wears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got a, he a, got a wedgie. He got yeah. a wedgie. He got a wedgie from Disney because he pu- pushed this Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida. Disney was like, we disagree. This is a dick move. And Ron DeSantis said, hold my beer. And essentially retaliated against Disney by stripping them of their special status that allows them to govern themselves. And now the state of Florida is governing Disneyland. And so Disney said, well, fuck you, Florida. Here's a billion dollars that we were going to put into your economy that we're now not doing anymore. And so I'm curious to see where this conversation goes. But my first thought is, do you fuck with Disney? Are you allowed to fuck with Disney and get away with it? How vindictive is that mouse? <laughs> History I, will show. Yeah. Has shown. You don't fuck with those ears, man. Yeah. And what is Florida without Disney? A lot of tax breaks. Mm. That's why people go retire there. Yeah. That's why companies put their offices there. Because they don't have a state tax. They don't have a state tax. They give a lot it's of tax Miami, breaks. Right? It's Miami, it's, it's all Tampa. Of, it's all of Florida, you know. I mean, it is a beautiful place. Like, and I know wonderful people from there, but sure. I think to the greater like country or outside of Florida, no one really considers Florida too too much beyond like, oh yeah, it's families just m- migrate there for this. I think Texas has the same reputation yeah. in this country where people are like, Texas has gun-toting cowboys, I guess. I don't know. But then right. when people find out about the tax breaks, they're like, oh, let's fucking move to Texas. That's why all of California <laughs> is coming here. Yeah. You know, and now we have people that moved from LA that are buying houses in New Braunfels because why? They are cheap and they are big and there's no state tax. Exactly. Uh, so I, I, that's what Florida to me sees. The problem is... All of those tax breaks are Republican, fiscally conservative led. But now you're seeing this further push to uh, socially conservatism and not just social conservatism, but like social conservatism extremists. Yeah. Authoritarian. Authoritarian like thing, just overreaching and using politics to play personal vendettas and they picked a fight with Disney. Mm-hmm. And this also will kind of, I think we should, a good idea is to tackle them both at the same time yeah. because in the state of Montana, Montana, they officially banned TikTok. And from what I've read about this, uh, the content creators are starting to push back, but uh, it's the rules of it are very wonky. And I think this is kind of also what we're talking about where it's like Republicans are taking on these fights to maintain control and authority and sort of leverage uh, 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 for reasons, culture war reasons, typically. <laughs> for reasons unknown. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and but when I saw the Montana is banning TikTok and I actually kind of read into it, it was really interesting. Essentially, they were they're not banning TikTok. It's they're banning apps like Google Play, Apple um, Store from having those platforms. So if you already have it, you already have it. They can't sure. necessarily get rid of it from your phone, but right. you won't be able to continue to download it. Right. So again, it's like this way of just sort of exerting authority in 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 these in the most 
trivial like what does this serve mm. like what are we doing and, but but i think that is what you can boil down republicanism to in a lot of ways what are you doing yeah like there's so many other problems that could be had right now yeah i mean this is is akin to the conversation we had in a previous episode which if you didn't listen go back and listen to it about uh Pornhub, right and how that got banned in the state utah. of utah so w- why are we picking these not we I'm not putting myself in that. That's that retract. Uh, why are these states picking these fights and can they win? Because we're seeing like in the Disney one, one, they pulled out of what would have been a major development uh, for jobs, for the economy, for everyone. Right. Yeah. For Disney to build a campus is kind of like when Amazon was shopping around for like their next campus. Everyone mm-hmm. was fucking bidding because like that's bringing money to the people and the state Two, they're suing back. Disney's suing the state of Florida and then TikTok content creators in Montana are suing the state of Montana. Yeah. And it, Pornhub is also suing back, right? They're doing yeah. something. Yeah. There's a countersuit or something. So what is the point? Why is this happening? I feel like there is a I want to think positively <laughs> uh, <laughs> For or approach this positively. Okay. Yes. And, and say, I think what should happen is individuals like you and I, even with our little modest platform and and things that we do. Thank you to our 40 listeners. Love y'all. And to the listeners of this, I think y'all have this responsibility as well. I think we have to really rally younger people to sort of counteract the authoritarianism that's happening. And I think they already kind of want to in their own ways, but what they have to see is that life is being decided by people who are very old, very white, very privileged. Um, and a lot of times we're afforded those privileges due to things like nepotism and just generational wealth. Yes. And all of that. Right. And, and now that we're in a more dive, I, I think the United States is having a case of, identity crisis. Mm. And I think as Mexican Americans, we can really speak to this <laughs> <laughs> where, um, where America really doesn't know what it's supposed to be anymore. And it, it struggles with these identities of masculinity and, um, uh, you know, what, what, what even is a job anymore? Mm. Like, I think I, and I see this a lot where, it, cause you don't, I don't think you uh, subscribe or catch uh, some of the, the, what I'm about to say, but like, I get a lot of like, uh, um, suggested videos or, or content from people I know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is like cis hetero men who are just out here, you know, uh, having adversarial relationships with women or women as a whole in general, um, having adversarial relationships with society and how they're sort of being undermined for their masculinity and how they 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 want to reclaim some alpha, you know, prototypical male terminator like i don't know like feeling mm-hmm. and it's this weird and, and and i think this is at the center of what i'm talking about when i say america has this identity crisis where you have a lot of men who are specifically white specifically undereducated and 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 um 
not earning as much as maybe their parents did or their fathers did struggling with like, what is America supposed to be? It's it's built for me. Why are we not benefiting mm-hmm. from it anymore? And so it turns into culture wars against immigrants, culture wars against pornography, culture wars against it, anti-Christian. It shit. gets turned into culture wars because of the narrative that is being spewed by the people in power. So that the people that are actually suffering out there don't realize that this is not a result of immigration. This is not a result of gay people. People just living their lives. This is not a result of trans people getting access to the health care that they need. This is a result of late stage capitalism. And they don't want you to know this because if you actually figure that out, then they are the ones, the people, the rich white people in power that are going to benefit the least. Mm-hmm. If you figure out that this system doesn't work for you and it's the system it's not the people you right. know like it is not it is not everyone that is seeking refuge from a south american country that is currently run by gangs and cartels they are not stealing your jobs they are not the ones responsible for the terrible shit that is happening in your life because there's a lot of terrible shit happening out there and it's all late stage capitalism yeah we've we've evolved past the 80s and 90s consumer driven like life which I, and it's not to say that consumerism isn't still very very high. It mm. is, but what I mean specifically is consumerism back in the '90s, all the way up into the early 2000s, was centered around a type of commerce that just doesn't exist anymore. Like mm. the mall, the malls are dying; mm. they aren't here anymore. Which we will dive into during uh, how much for a gram because I yeah. sent you something about that. Um, and but, again, the, but these these are businesses that don't exist. Like salesmen don't <clears throat> exist anymore. Like door to door traveling salesmen don't exist anymore. Thank these old jobs, yeah, <laughs> you know, factory workers. A lot of a lot of our, our manufacturing and textiles yeah. get exported. Like all these things that used to exist are now gone. Yeah, and so you know what job even exists for most people, and usually it's behind a computer on a telephone or through a chat. Yeah, and you're answering emails and all this. And yeah, I can see how that's like an unfulfilling life, but. We built it that way. Yeah. I'm just curious what the end goal is for some of these things like banning TikTok or, you know, Florida picking a fight with Disney. Because, like, I see where they've passed a bill that now requires the Ten Commandments to be publicly displayed in every public school. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like public school classrooms have to have the Ten Commandments like prominently displayed uh, sort of thing. And... The the logic bef- behind it, I get it from a Republican standpoint because it is clearly unconstitutional. So it's going to get challenged and then it's going to move up in courts and then eventually make its way to the Supreme Court where the Republicans have done an amazing job of making sure that whatever gets to the Supreme Court f- falls in their favor. Right. And so they are currently setting up a system in which they will be able to put whatever they want in place and then ultimately have it approved by the people that are currently making those decisions, which are lifelong seated, you know, Supreme Court justices that were handpicked by Mitch McConnell. So I I get the game that they're playing in some of these spaces. I don't get why you're picking a fight with Disney. Well, I want <laughs> let me you you asked the question and I kind of want to answer or, or guess my interpretation of what what the answer to it is, which is, you know, what's the end game? I think the end game is overall and I just recently saw a report about this, about how religious institutions are losing um, their. Um, oh, yeah. Like membership, like re- yeah. religion is not the most important thing in most people's lives anymore. Right. Like year after year after year, younger people are just not turning to religious institutions mm-hmm. or, you know, 
churches in and and they're they're all kind of walking away in mass and and to to how that sort of figures into what we're talking about i think that the writing is on the wall for the older boomer generation and specifically Republicans and their fight for authority and fight for control and dominance of, of, of the populace and, mm. and the, the culture war. I think it, the long game is cause chaos, cause disruption as much as possible get the fights one that you can and like you said take it all the way up to the Supreme Court that's currently in your favor if possible mm. win there because then any whenever they do eventually lose power which just statistically it looks like that is going to happen we have to then spend our time undoing the chaos and i think that's the that's the problem and it's funny i don't know why i just want to shout this out but i wrote this line for a poem that i really like where i was like chaos is the the opposite of progress mm-hmm. it's not sort of just this vile like contemptuous like evil maniacal like contrary planning it's literally just make a fucking mess every day mm-hmm. because then they have to to spend time cleaning it mm-hmm. and that's what it is there is no goal like re- the republican go- goals are never like hey let's fix your schools hey let's add more let's pay teachers more yeah. or let's really like make the education system better let's make your roads better let's make whatever better none of it As they never have a plan for anything so it's like let's just fight culture wars constantly and cause chaos because then at least the progress that that Democrats and centrists uh, you know, could be making could be they they don't make because they have to spend time cleaning up your mess. Right. Make sure you're registered to vote. If you're not uh, do that. Make sure you turn out and vote. We just had an election here in San Antonio. Uh, next year is an election year. And so I don't. Um... <sighs> One more major news recap. What I want to talk about also is how the debt ceiling is sort of being completely. Oh, that. Yeah. I guess that has been dominating the news, hasn't it? On a global scale. (laughs) Um, the the reason why it kind of gets talked about is because it's very serious and in in terms of the consequences should it not get lifted. Sure. But can my debt ceiling get lifted? All right. (laughs) Talk that part. Um, however, I feel that, uh, so for the, those who don't know right now, the debt ceiling is up for its normal, like raising annual yes. discussion. Right. <laughs> um, at this point, it's routine. It's routine work. And typically under most administrations, it just happens. But as going back to the Obama years, Republicans have learned that they can sort of weaponize the debt ceiling and start to either make threats like, oh, we're not going to get this done. We're going to push back on it. And now what's happening is you have the really, really crazy Marjorie Taylor Green, Green uh, Republicans who want Kevin McCarthy, who's the Speaker of the House, to actually use the debt ceiling as leverage in negotiations. Negotiating the budget, yeah. Let me explain this to anyone who doesn't understand. Please teach the children. This is as if, imagine if a parent was like, hey, to their children, was like, hey, you're getting uh, B's in school. I want you to get A's, okay? It's a fair thing to ask. But because until you get A's and until you start doing what I'm asking you to, I'm not going to buy food for the family, And it's like, wait, what? Like, that's what we're talking about here, where it's literally like 
this 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 is something that you can't hold hostage. Mm-hmm. You can't negotiate this way. You can't say like this is this is right in any capacity. Mm-hmm. Like this is just how you get the the affairs of the day done. Yeah. This has huge implications for things like veterans groups, for uh, certain education, the education department, all federally funded programs, everything, uh, and also the global economy and the global economy. Because up all. until now, you know, like bo- U.S. bonds have been one of the most like reliable and trusted forms of collateral, and a lot of businesses done on the backs of U.S. bonds. And if the U.S. comes out and flat out says we're not paying our debts, then those bonds will just implode. And so will the global economy. In many ways, yeah. And it becomes this weird (laughs) thing of, like I said, creating chaos just to create the chaos. Yeah. It's this this fight that Republicans are willing to have that shouldn't be a fight, but they do it so that they can just – posture power it's pomp and circumstances of like look what i'm doing i am fighting against you know the democrats and all their bullshit when like the metaphor that i heard at the uh on npr was that this is essentially going to be like passing a kidney stone Mm -hmm. it's going to happen it's just a matter of how painful it's going to be right so like they're just like you said creating chaos unless and, and and this is the one 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 tiny I'm knocking on wood caveat is the fear is that what if at some point in time, because it is in play, but a Marjorie Taylor Greene were in a House Speaker McCarthy seat and you had that person who is that insane mm-hmm. to just say, fuck it, let it burn mm-hmm. until you fix it. And again, this is a position that I, I, I think in terms of government. Someone mentioned like Richard Nixon to me recently and we were talking about it. <laughs> and this, the wild part is even though like Richard Nixon would have gotten away scot-free in 2023. Oh, yeah. Because it's just the, the, the it's whole. It's that crazy right now. Yeah. The whole sort of scruples or principles that Republicans specifically, I'm going to call them to the floor with this. Because like then they'll say, well, what about Democrats? And it's like, fuck it. Talk about Democrats, too. I don't care. We can hold them to the same standard. But there has to be a standard. Yeah. Is that with Republicans, you know, they 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 lack this sort of dignity, this lack, this lack of principledness. Yet they hang on conservative values and American principles and American platitudes all Mm. the fucking time. And yet you will have a indicted, a twice impeached, you know, president, Uh uh, a guy who's been indicted for some very, very serious offenses, who's up on trial for more serious offenses who could potentially do jail time and you're still like you know what I don't know I think I might go with that guy well because it's also uh, made up principles right they're they're making all principles well sure but uh, (laughs) these these principles that they're touting are lies they're straight up lies going back to the you know 10 commandments Mm -hmm. in public schools every republican that was talking about this to to get this bill passed was like this is part of you know like the basis of america and this goes back to our founding fathers and how we and they were believed. All and like if you look at it no from the basis of america was church over there state over here and never the two shall meet and now you're saying the exact opposite but, but it's also because the church is allowed to financially partake in supporting candidates Mm. and that's a big problem Mm -hmm. and i feel if you have the ability to financially support a candidate you have the ability to get taxed exactly uh we could fix so much if churches just got taxed yeah 
And you know what? I want to just be honest. Like, I feel like America still has that potential to be amazing. But we have to get on the other side of this identity crisis. It has to be. We don't have to get on the other side of this identity crisis. No, I think they have to get on. (laughs) Yes. But I mean, like, in in terms of, like, we have to get on the The other side. Not just we, the people, but, like, our side specifically, too. Like. We are getting badgered, and in some cases, like with LGBTQ and trans issues, like yeah, the, attacked violently. The issue, the 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 problem that I see with the people on on our side of the conversation is the the idea that quote perfect is the enemy of good. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we are so intent on making sure that whatever it is that we do is perfect and hurts absolutely no one and is pristine in its execution. And then nothing gets done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing gets done because so much infighting ends up happening. So like people on this side of the conversation sometimes need to take a chill pill and acknowledge that like half a step in the right direction is better than no steps in the right direction, which right. is what is currently happening and has been happening. I feel like every time that Democrats are in power where it's like nothing gets done. Mm-hmm. Let's roll out of here and roll into the next segment because uh, this could get depressing. And you know what else is? Being in your mid-30s. Let's go into how much for a gram. How much for a motherfucking gram. Also, this Cosmigos does not have any, like, real girth to it like i this is the least buzz i've ever felt on this pod this is true and we're more than halfway through this uh this bottle uh yeah, george is slacking i'm here for another round all right we'll pour up shout out to um the homie michelle uh from florida who listens to the pod uh sent me this video and said uh this is like y'all after <laughs> after two tequilas it's like tequila with a neck tap. What is that? Barreled in AutoZone? Subtle tones of mahogany, oak, and a George Foreman grill. Aged to perfection in the back of a U-Haul. It's like California in a glass. Cause that bitch is on fire. I drink mezcal because I wasn't hugged enough as a child. It's like tequila that refuses to go to therapy. You mind if I use a straw? And they said paper straws were a bad thing. Time to blow this bitch up. Mezcal. Tastes like the word Clint Eastwood. It also does taste like wood, so that doesn't help. Who the fuck drinks this termites? Mezcal is actually Spanish for Marlboro. Mm, smells like my stepdad smoking indoors again. <laughs> makes me feel like a Trojan. Uh, mainly because it just tastes like a used condom. Not that I know. Tastes like I'm sucking off the Michelin man. Don't put that part. I drink mezcal because I didn't lean over a campfire enough as a child. Mezcal. Tastes like my pee after I ate asparagus. Spicy. You think I'm gonna wash my hands? When you drink mezcal, you're a real man. Bro, you just came out of the ladies room. Keyword. Came. Ladies. <laughs> they did. Shot. That was uh, Trevor Wallace, the comedian. Trevor Wallace. Just gotta give credit where credit credit's Ex- due. Exactly. We don't exactly. own the rights of that. Um, okay, two two things. Two yeah. things. Dive in. One, um, that was racist as fuck. No bit. <laughs> Uh, and, and kind of, kind of sort of aggravating. Like when you, when I saw it for the first time, when you sent it to me, I was like, yeah. And you think this because you are white and completely disconnected from the roots of where Mezcal comes from and the people of which this is actually like a really fucking Mm -hmm. important deal. And then two, I immediately realized, oh, you're being satirical. And actually what you're calling out is 
capitalism and the whiteness of it all and people who are like all these white people are going around drinking mezcal and buying mezcal and starting new mezcal and things about mm-hmm. that like have zero connection to to the ancestry of this uh, really important and spiritual drink in in the hearts of a lot of native Mexicans. And it started with Mexican food, man. That's how they first started, you know, capital uh, capitalistically co- uh, colonizing us. Shout out to Glenn Bell. Yeah. Never welcome on the pod. Never. <laughs> right. Actually, yeah, I was watching this one uh, recent documentary, A Tale of Two Kitchens, um, directed or produced by uh, Gael Garcia Bernal. Bernal, yes. Uh, and it was really awesome. It was this 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 restaurateur. Uh, I forget her name. I apologize, but uh, has one set in Mexico City and then one in San Francisco. And when they were interviewing a lot of the the, the employees in San Francisco, they're like, didn't know much about the rich history of Mexican food besides Taco Bell. And it was just you know, next person Taco Bell, Taco Bell, Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. And and it is that thing of like this is how, for as important and influential and essential to the history of this this region, this whole side of the map that Spanish colonialism is in its good parts and horrible parts as well. It's just mind-boggling how erased we are from the mm-hmm. conversation. On that note, I'm really excited to see like the 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 resurgence slash authentication of Mexican food as a cuisine across the culinary world because for the longest time it's like french food the best ever italian food like right these white centered kind of um culinary palettes and now to really see the the forward push that that mexican food that is tied to indigenous and native uh cooking is making in the culinary world makes my heart of heart happy because it is fucking amazing and just because it's been commercialized and commodified in a way that is accessible to most or at least of the the bastardized version of it is accessible to oh, most Chipotle. yeah does not at all accurately represent how great and how intricate and how uh, robust the flavors of Mexico are, because right. it's also it's a Mexico. If lest ye forget, is a huge country, ginormous with with cuisines that vary from coast to coast and all through the central and north and south. And it is all very, very different, just as different as you talk about American cuisine in terms of like the south and the kind of cooking that we do and the Creole food that happens in, the, mm. you know, like the Louisiana area and the influence of Cuban. It's as in, vast as Europe, man. I fucking love it and I'm here for it. And I have a question for you. Yeah. This was all a build up to. Were you aware a, that Stanley Tucci did a, you know, like CNN mm-hmm. series about I did. Italy. I love and, it. Okay. And Eva Longoria is doing the same thing for Mexico. Shout out. How do we feel about Eva Longoria being <sighs> the face of exploring Mexican cuisine on CNN? There's so many things to unpack here. <laughs> no, I know. That's why I was excited. On the top, on the Eva Longoria thing. I call her Eva. Eva. Always welcome on the pod. Yeah, friend. Uh, shout out to Eva Longoria. Uh, always welcome on the pod. I I feel like Latinos and Mexican Americans have had a weird relationship with her mm-hmm. because her fame came through Desperate Housewives. Yes, which I loved. No fair. I mean, it was a <laughs> banger show. Like it wasn't my show, but in, like you know, in the it. first in the first seasons, it was incredible. It, but. Yeah, and and I feel like I I I I feel like Eva Eva. 
We'll call her Eva. Eva, Eva. Because that's yeah. the that's the accurate thing. The thing is, Eva Longoria is Eva Longoria, not Eva Longoria. Yeah. And a lot of yeah, nationally speaking. I think with 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 Eva Longoria, <laughs> uh that one of the things I do love about her more than anything is that I think she does bring a genuine, authentic, um exploratory reunification to her own culture which I, is which is very important for Mexican Americans as a, as a child of the diaspora I 100% agree and I'm here for that and yes. and and I I don't I will say as a criticism slash critique like it isn't shots at you but it's sort of I've always felt like she doesn't she either lacks the language or the um authority in the spaces that she's allowed into, which are typically white male spaces mm-hmm. to, to even say those kinds of things that we just said, like, mm-hmm. like, th- like her reunification with these sort of ideas and flavors and, uh, and identities and, and so forth is, is something that again, going back to the erasure of it all is, is just like not even on the hearts and minds of most United States citizens. She feels to me to a certain extent as the poster child for the perfect Mexican American. And is touted. I think she recently hosted the Latin Grammys well, or something. Well, they try like to that. do that to us. They try to do that with Gina Rodriguez. Ah, you see what I mean? Like it's like they try to grab uh, America. Uh, what was her name? Um, Ferre- Ferreira, I think, or something. Yeah, yeah, Ugly Betty. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I feel like to your point, that's what they try to do. And and I think they also do that with men, but they do it more. It's more transnational. So it's like a Benjamin Bratt. Oh, he's Peruvian. Uh, Pedro Pascal. Yeah. And it's sort of again, it's sort of they try to get the best of us. And the the interesting thing though there is that I don't think that applies with men because like if you mm. look at Pedro Pascal, he's a renegade in his own right, and mm, is like not. I'm not, you know, like I'm no. not. Subscribing to your general, you know, like I'm not going to be politically correct. Ooh, and just, you're right on that. Point. You know, like yes. he he's not afraid to like do whatever it is that he feels like. Versus the Evas and the Americas and the Ginas sure. are expected to be like this really clean cut, pristine, put together. I speak English very well, so that they're you definitely can put in me. a different camp than like a Sofia Vergara mm-hmm. or even a Jennifer Lopez. And and to your idea, no, no, I mean in the sense of like you were saying, I made a face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For those, yeah, because this is a audio. <laughs> this is an audio. Experience. I made a face at the at the mention of Jennifer Lopez in this conversation. Well, in that sense of like you know they are seen as like that wholesome Latina you know business entrepreneurial, almost like an Oprah, like going towards that uh-huh. that sort of. I think Selena Gomez is starting to kind of like venture in that uh-huh. direction. Uh, and I'm for it. I've never had a personal problem with Eva Longoria. I, I loved her when she was a Spurs fan. <laughs> I don't want to get into that. But Eva, I was on your side. God damn it. Uh, I don't even know what that conversation is. Oh, it's dark. You want, yeah, <laughs> no, no. no. I just think that there's there's something to be said about like. It's a double-edged sword in that, like, I see the progress that it makes to have this kind of representation, this kind of voice, to even have a show on CNN that centers Mexican cuisine on this kind of Because that Stanley Tucci show is fire. Yeah, 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 exactly. So to have it on that kind of level, I totally see it. I worry that it still presents this kind of whitewashed version of what it means to be Mexican, what it means to be Mexican American. Does it go to speak to the like ocho of it, where it's like you know what I mean, where it's like she, 
I know that in many circles, she's also kind of seen or like has even discussed this in, in some ways about that idea of being like pocho. That, uh-huh. that that like you're you're Mexican, but you're not Mexican, uh-huh. Mexican. So it sort of still feels. But yeah. whereas like a Stanley Tucci can go to Italy and go explore and see all these things and, you know, has has learned this, the language or maybe knew the language. It's like they don't it doesn't cut that way for them. Yeah. So why should it cut that way for us where it may almost seem like, oh, you're little Mexican-American I mean, girl. It's kind of the Selena, the Selena of it all, yes. where it was like, uh, do, do I even speak Spanish well? Are Mexican audiences going to accept me? me? Yeah. <laughs> God know? damn it, love me, Mexico. <laughs> I love you. And I think that's what I loved about the Anthony Bourdain show, is that yes. he was always the other. Right. And he was fine being the ignorant other. Mm-hmm. Versus here, there's a kind of like expectation of like, well, you have, you know, Mexican roots. You should already know about this. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I'm a little disturbed by it. It feels like trying to make Mexico palatable for white audiences instead of celebrating Mexico to Mexican-American audiences. That's that. A, there it is. That's, okay. that's where I'm having a kind of well, dissent but we don't have it. to. But does Mexico have to be like... Interesting to Mexican audiences. Mexican-American. Mexican-American audiences. Yeah, because it's clearly for America, for the United States. Because I'll say this, as someone who lives on the west side of San Antonio, <laughs> I and this actually happened the other day when I went to H-E-B at Las Palmas, shout out to that. A lot of times I run into Mexican-American, usually younger, under the age of 30, individuals who are just lost or like perusing my neighborhood and it's because their families were from that neighborhood like a generation ago. Mm-hmm. And now they live on, you know, far out, <laughs> you know, 1604 and Bandera yeah, or what? Helores or 1604 and 281. Stone Oak. Or yeah. What's that other one? Chavano Park. Chavano Sha- <laughs> Park, as I call it. <laughs> um, they come they come to my neighborhood to to, to see. And it was interesting because there, there was these kids and these, these weren't Mexican kids, at least as far as I could tell, they were white kids. But they were very like they came to they came to my H E B because they were pretty sure they weren't gonna get carded if they bought beer. Wow. And they were right. <laughs> uh, I, I go to your H E B for the fresh fresh Mexican produce because yeah, my H E B doesn't have it. Well, you got the good kale. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we got the good kale. We got the hummus bar. Yeah, we ain't got none of that <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. I oh. recently went into like a deep, deep discussion about HEB on one of my like my work Zoom calls. Oh, yeah. Because there's only now two of us. But really, like I'm the only one that like lives in that has lived in Texas for a while. And they were like, what's HEB? And I was like, let me tell you about HEB. Because nobody does more than my HEB. Goddamn right. HEB, friend of the pod, always welcome. Please. Harold E. Butts. I thought it was Herbert. Welcome. Herbert, Harold, I don't know. Herbert E. Butts. Welcome not, on the pod. Herbert might not be welcome, but I want to talk to some HEB employees because they um, they seem to be really happy. Uh, HEB seems to be a really great company to work for. Mm-hmm. And HEB is such an institution in Texas. And I like... Outside of the more niche, you know, like Asian food markets, Indian food markets that I'll definitely visit to go get like the kind of ingredients that I need. I've, Albertsons, what? Right. Kroger would never. 
Yeah. You know. Well, but going back to our, our conversation. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, we went deep on food. We, I mean, we were talking no, about no, food. Cool. So a grocery yeah, yeah, yeah. store. A grocery store is in the conversation. <laughs> yeah, the neighborhood grocery store. But no, going back to what I was, I guess the 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 it of it all uh-huh. is that I think a show like this for Mexican American youth specifically, mm-hmm. they can find again another, you know, Rama to connect back to Mexico. It's the diaspora of it all. Well, like, because it has been cut off. And I think sometimes yeah. Mexico doesn't do us any favors for respecting why we are the way we are. Mm-hmm. It's like the violence and, and horrible history that y'all have. Guess what? We have our own too. Mm-hmm. That was wildly different than yours yeah. for a lot of different reasons. And, and, and so like, that's why my Spanish is bad. Yeah. <laughs> it is very bad. It's interesting. Cause we're also having this conversation from two very different perspectives. Cause yeah. your family kind of like came up here in the San Antonio, Texas area and Mm -hmm. has always kind of been here versus my family is from Mexico. Mm -hmm. And we did immigrate to the United States and how a a person who crossed the border versus a person who got crossed by the border. Uh, See this conversation like I very much like I want to appreciate this. But then I like look at the the food and the cooking and my aunts and uncles and cousins that all still live in Mexico and how it's like this doesn't feel like Mexico. It mm. feels like the palatable version of Mexico for white tongues. Mm. And this isn't to say that I've actually seen the show. This is all based not a criticism. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not a criticism on the show. This is just based off what I've seen off of the 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 uh, previews for it and the idea of it and Eva at the forefront of it. And maybe maybe it is that what you were talking about to where it's more speaking to people that have been disconnected from like the land of their forefathers, as it were, which right? is literally right there. Yeah, yeah. And and finding that kind of like rekindling and reconnection and authentication. So. Well, because like for years and years and years, the biggest quote unquote Mexican face in in pop culture was a fucking Chihuahua, a Chihuahua and <laughs> Hector from Fast and the Furious. Look, and he's not even I don't even think he's Mexican. I think he's Italian. Uh, wow. I don't even know who Hector no, is. No, you look up Google it right now. Look up Hector Fast and the Furious. I swear to God, this actor has played nine different Hectors. And as soon as you see him, you'll be like, I know that guy. Yeah. Noel Giulami. Guglielmi. Yes. Noel Guglielmi is the most famous Mexican in Hollywood. And he's not even Mexican. Is he not Mexican? I don't know. Wait a second. Let's look this up. Uh, uh, Mr. Southern California gangster. Life and work is of Italian and Mexican descent. Okay, 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 right okay, okay, okay. So he looks like me, kind of. <laughs> he looks like he'd live on the west side of San Antonio. Oh yeah, Antonio. no, he 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 fits the the stereotype one hundred percent. Him and uh, este Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo, yeah. You know, and again, but like, why are we? About why like, are we all thug looking, no, machete wielding? Yeah. And Danny Trejo is an amazing sort of actor and, and not just actor, uh, but person. everything that he does. Yes. Would lo- yes. Yeah. Welcome on the pod. Um, Always. But but I think that's the thing is like, I, you know what I think was the biggest thing for Mexican-Americans uh, in terms of pop culture? Spy Kids. And then mm. after Spy Kids came Dora the Explorer. Uh-huh. And that's what and that's where the shift happened, because prior to that, 
Latinos in general were just always lumped together and sort of portrayed negatively in uh-huh. that. And our food was always looked at as low class and not really, you know, like you said, refined enough for, for cuisine or mm-hmm. American palates. And It's Taco Tuesday. We're going to put some mm-hmm. ground meat on the skillet and season it with taco seasoning and serve it in a tortilla with lettuce and tomatoes and call it Mexican. And exactly. It's not. It's not. It's not. Taco Bell, Chipotle. Uh, Torchy's Tacos, all these, all these gringo-owned taco places, fuck off. I call them uh, uh, tortilla sandwiches mm. is what I call that kind of food. Because um, I'm going to go on record to say that Torchy's is fucking delicious. Wow. But it's not a, it's not a taco. It's not Mexican food. It's, it's a tortilla it's, sandwich. It's, it's 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 fast. It's it's what is it? They don't call it fast food it's anymore. Not they call food. it like comfort quick or something like that. Food. Wow, that's the first I've heard that. No, no, like because it's it's Dude. also like the chipotles and there's yeah, other yeah. But, uh, free birds. But chipotle sucks. Well, sure, sure, sure. But what I mean is, is like there's these restaurants or like Five Guys Burgers is another good example. What's wrong it's with Five Guys. No, 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 nothing wrong with them. What I'm okay. saying is, is there there's these new. They're not like a McDonald's or a Burger King. They're a step up from the fast foods, but they're not quite a restaurant mm-hmm. sort of deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And the thing about, I think, specifically Torchies is that they were a, you know, restaurant looking for a hook. And so the food might not be bad, but I mean, it's like, and shit, I'm guilty of this too. I eat the fuck out of some Panda Express Mm. and mall Chinese food. I love it. But I know for a goddamn fact. I love mall Chinese food. That is not (laughs) Chinese food. And, 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 you know, I guess to the larger point that I think fusion is okay. I think there's many opportunities for Mexican food to... But there's a, di- there's a difference between fusion and appropriation. Right. And when someone something brands itself as something that it's not, that's the issue. And that's why, like, Torchy's Tacos is not Mexican food. It is not Mexican food. I don't even call it tacos. But, you know, call it call it what it is. It's it's tortilla sandwiches, and, and they're good. Yeah. You know, but just uh, present yourself as what you are. What else on uh, how much can I get for a gram? How much for a gram? How much can I get for a gram? Oh, wait, yeah. <laughs> how much for a gram? So I sent you this, and I thought this would be an interesting uh, rabbit hole to dive down through. So I follow an account called I am 30 AF because I am. And they're amazing. So shout out to I am 30 AF on Instagram. Always welcome on the pod. Mm-hmm. And they they do this really fantastic thing that I really appreciate, which is they take... Um, really great stuff from Twitter and post it on Instagram so that I can see it because fuck Twitter and and the void that it is and I, I can't navigate it. So <laughs> the one that I specifically sent you was it was millennials killed department stores baby boomers killed the polar bears but right 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 my deepest apologies to jc penny right uh your relationship to department stores listen when <laughs> i was a kid and actually it's my summer right now for anyone who doesn't know i'm a professor and so much much like our k-12 through educators i get summers and spring breaks off which i adore um <laughs> i had a hankering a hankering. A hankering. To go to the mall and just hang out all fucking day, like oh, a couple days ago. Uh-huh. Because I was just like, I remember when that was a thing as a as a youth. Yeah. Before the internet, before any, you would just go. You would get like one slice of Sabaro, mm-hmm. a Pepsi, 
and you would just go to FYE, yeah. listen to albums that were coming out all the time, check out, find the deals in the deal bin, uh-huh. go to Hot Topic. Yes. Like, pop, pop into Spencer and feel really cool because you're seeing like dicks yeah. <laughs> and boobs. <laughs> just all that. And then get a Dippin' Dots and then your mom would come pick you up. <sighs> Fucking Dippin' Dots. Dickin' him a dot. Dippin' dots. <laughs> that's the name of this episode. Dickin' my dots. Dickin' my dot. That's the tequila talking. Uh, and I was, and and so as far my relationship to department stores, I remember as a young kid, my dad treated Sears and JC's Penny specifically like church. Oh, you don't touch shit. Oh, there is a mission to be had, and it's a holy one. And it was usually like you're buying a fridge. Uh-huh. You're buying a washer and dryer. Yeah. You're buying a goddamn lawnmower. I mean, I remember. I, rem- I remember the you know, come see the softer yeah. side of Sears, where Sears was trying to be like, we're not just lawn maintenance and appliances. We also sell clothes Tommy and Hilfiger. diapers, and Polo we shirts. have a fucking photo studio. Right. <laughs> I remember the photo studio, and like I loved those things, and I miss those things, and it's not just for nostalgic purposes. Uh-huh. I think that there are there is these like cornerstones to culture that are just gone because uh-huh. we don't live in a monoculture anymore. And so like I am I sad that they're gone? No. Do I wish that we still had these places of commerce and culture that once existed like MTV and mm-hmm. so on and so forth to to be there? Yes. Well, and see I would argue that we do. And it's the shift. Don't say the internet. No. Okay. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, it's the shift from the mall mm-hmm. and the department stores, which were the anchors of the mall. The mall would not exist if department stores like Macy's and JCPenney and mm-hmm. Sears did not dole out big bucks to keep the place running to what are now like plazas of sorts. Like that's what the, the Pearl. mini malls. Oh no. That's yeah. what the Pearl is. Well, you know, it's right. a community gathering space, but instead of being indoors, you know, sort of thing, it's like, we've got mom and pop shops. We've got a couple of like restaurants, mom and, mom pop and, pop, and yeah. you know, boutiques. We've got open garden areas, you know, like that's the shift is we've gone from malls to, Plazas, but the plazas aren't for kids, though. I think the plazas are because, like, you can say that oh, about La Cantera. No, you're right. <laughs> yeah, like, and 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 I remember, and I think that's the thing is, youth culture is gone in mm. a lot of ways, where it's like they well because of the, <laughs> the running theme of this show, late stage capitalism. Yeah. Youth don't have money, so why would companies invest in creating spaces for youth if the youth aren't going to pay them? Right. You know, let, that's why we're cater, they're they're catering to you know these plazas are catering catering towards people of our age and older that have money to spend mm-hmm. and like the time to be outside on a Saturday and not at a lake or mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, I I I, I think. The mall specifically and all the other sort of adjacent places that that we used to go to as kids, like, I don't know, skate parks, mm. like uh, the lakes, the, you know. Ah, skate parks. Yeah. You the yogurt shops. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we would go Hollywood videos, blockbusters. Uh-huh. I miss those places. Like, I, I think seriously what bothers me so much about all the streaming services right now is that I have to work so fucking hard. 
<laughs> just to get to all the movies in alphabetical order and genre, uh-huh. which just existed at Hollywood Video. Remember, you're just like, oh, I'm going to the horror. And it's in alphabetical order. The new releases are against the wall. They're in alphabetical order. Uh-huh. And you could just scroll and sc- and you can go do that. But now it's this intentional clusterfuck yeah. to keep you on the app when it's like you already have me on this app forever I will die on this app <laughs> you don't have to make it more convoluted to I keep me die here die doom scrolling yes don't don't make it worse yeah. for me make it better yeah I straight up never went to the mall really until wow. I worked at a mall you had to pay me to go to a mall <sighs> well where were you at I you hate, never got glamour shots with your friends? No. Wow. No. You missed out. I got glamour shots from my friends yeah, where they there? would give me some. But I never, I was like hard and probably still am hardcore, like anti-socializing without a purpose sort of thing. Like mm-hmm. it's one of those things where like I, I need to know what the goal of our, you know, meetup is. Well, before and if the Barnes goal and Noble, is, I used to go there to get books too. Yeah. Well, we would go. So like that was the thing. We would go to, what was it called? Oh. Oh, fuck what was it called? B, is b dalton a thing oh yeah that Dal- was a bookstore yeah. okay so every sunday after church we would go to cc's pizza hell yeah you did to get some food and then we would go to b dalton's which was next door to like kill some time read some books and maybe buy something right yeah. that was my family tradition but again like there was a goal there was a mission yeah. and like to just you want to go to the mall to do what but see, to, let me interject. And and then that's my social, like my social anxiety. See, no, you're still this person, Chibi. I'm I am so still much this person. This. <laughs> I'm learning so much about you right now. I am this because person. Because let me tell you, that was the thing about the mall. It it, it gave it, it. This is where you as a young person found your mission. Yeah. Yourself. No. You were like, you know what? I was, what can I do? I can do anything. I can go get an Auntie Annie's pretzel. I can go get a, an Icy from that American cookie company. Or I can go to B. Dalton's by myself. <laughs> I can go to FYE and be there longer than when I'm with mm. my parents. And you would just thrive in the mall, man. It, it gave you purpose. And then what was even scarier was then when you had plans after the mall. It's like, what are we doing after this? I don't know. Let's go to CC pizza let's let's go to this and then you were just figured it out uh-huh. and i think that was that was what was most formative about the mall for me and then to run into people was next level so then if millennials to go back to the the tweet that spawned this if millennials uh loved going to the mall and had all these experiences mm-hmm. that now we're having nostalgia about then why are millennials to blame for the death of the department store because we because let's just be clear Let's just be clear to quote. I think it was a New York Times article. It is the quote, inevitable demise of the department store. That's happening. Right. JCPenney, Macy's, Dillard's, all of y'all. You, you're going to be gone. ghost towns yeah. soon. So why why are millennials to blame if it was such a formative part of our upgrade? Because we were Prometheus. <laughs> we found fire. And that fire was the Internet. Ah. We made it better. We made it more awesome. We invented apps. We invented um, platforms like Facebook and MySpace and Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. We invented Netflix and all these. Th- and with this fire, we scorched the earth. Okay. And what, what it did was while we found a comfortability that is top tier, mm-hmm. like you never have to leave the house. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go to the comic book store to get comic books anymore. Mm-hmm. Like at all. Um, you don't have, like you don't have to leave your house to play video games with friends anymore. That's true too. 
I mean, like what it's now done is it is is it's taken us to a place of 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 enough time passing to where now we have to sit with ourselves as the older elder millennials and make some the Spice Girls millennials. Thank you very the much. Spice okay. Girls millennials. Please I, don't. <laughs> right. So I'm going to push back against you because I don't think that millennials are to blame for the death of the department store. Okay. I think millennials are just reacting to the space that was created for us in that, like you said, like you could go to the mall and you could buy a pretzel and you could maybe, you know, drop in and, you know, check out some records and get something or whatever. And it's like, well, you know what? No, I don't have the money to do that anymore. I don't have the money to buy whatever, whenever, like, I don't want to go to the mall because I'm just going to spend money that I don't have. Well, this is what I was kind of ultimately getting to is I think as Spice Girl Generation millennials, we have to also come to a point of existential crisis or whatever, where we think back on the good days and we say, <laughs> you know what, some of that needs to come back. We need movie. We need movie stores. Maybe and maybe we don't need certain thing, certain uh, items of comfort, mm-hmm. and 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 we don't need that no more. Mm-hmm. Because damn it, it's more fun when you're playing video games with friends mm-hmm. at their house than on the internet till four in the morning. Sure. And I think we just live in this era now where you know even with friends like damn near any hour of the day I can find a friend on some social media or someone to shoot the shit with. And I just remember that sort of disconnected feeling of that was liberating pre-cellular technology where it was like, yeah, I'm going to be at the mall for four hours because that's a free four hours of my life where I'm not (laughs) at home. I'm not in my room. I'm not in my neighborhood you know, like doing nothing, extra nothing. See, and I was so happy to be at home in my room. Oh, man. Yeah. Sorry. Antisocial introvert. I mean, because I would eventually get back home and then do <laughs> like I just shit. think it's it's this constant barrage of like millennials are to blame for the death of X, Y, and Z. Like it's these like millennials aren't having kids. We, you know, like they're to blame for the decline in population. Millennials aren't buying houses. You know, like they're the blame for. Well, it's because the system has evolved into a space where like I can't fucking buy a house. I'm so sorry. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where when we talk <clears throat> about it nationally, like the the millennials killing it of it all is someone has to be to blame. And, and I, see, this is where I would argue millennials didn't kill department stores. Walmart killed department stores. Why would you go to Macy's when you could go to Walmart to get everything you need at a much cheaper price? I think this is also a, sh- a a consumerist philosophical question. 100%. Late stage capitalism is always to blame. Let's just be clear. All right. right? We're finding nuances to that. Where in argument. the 80s and the 90s and even in the early aughts, we started inventing things like the slap chop. We didn't need the slap chop. What the fuck is a slap chop? You, you remember the slap chop. No, I, I swear don't. to God, if you see the commercial, you'll be like, oh, I remember the slap chop. It's like the ninja. It's like all these. Uh, it's like the George Foreman grill. Like we're the generation of these things like of, of telemarketing. Oh, I fucking love a slap shot. Guess what? I know. (laughs) You know, just pulled it up. It's the, and it's the dumbest shit. You're telling me we can't just chop up an onion anymore, but like, I I guess, and as a Uh foodie, I think you will respect this, that there is an artisanal quality 
So when you have the food on your own, when you chop the food in your own, when it's mm-hmm. in your hands and when you're kneading the dough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, There's and, something special to be said about killing your own cows. Right. And I, I feel like <laughs> our generation... <laughs> when you just take it out back, it's looking at you in the face. With his little doe eyes, and you're like, thank you for being my stew tonight. Yeah, we're going to— I'm we're, sorry. I, I, I we're going to use just a portion of you. The, the rest is going to be The waste. tequila took it there. Back to your point. My point is, is that I feel like our generation specifically was taught by older generations that, like— artisanal work is harder work and that it should be valued, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily taught the ways in which to appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Because at the same time, new technology was always coming throughout our life cycle Mm -hmm. that was making lives easier for them. And thus they went that way. And then thus we were like, okay, so everything you were saying was kind of bullshit. Well, I think also our generation was taught productivity is Priority number one always, mm-hmm. right? How are you producing, 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 you know, like constantly cranking out, constantly working, being the best because you have to show up because otherwise if you don't, somebody else is going to take your job or whatever. You know, like productivity was placed bar none number one as the most important thing. And so things like growing your own vegetables or learning to raising cook, chickens. raising chicken, even lower than that. Cooking your own meals was placed every day at the bottom of the totem pole because it was like, well, that takes one to two hours of your life. Whereas you could be responding to emails during that time. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be using or, you know, like you work 40 plus hours a week at the mall. And so like you get home at 1030 at night because you work the closing shift and you know what you're going to do? Pop something in the microwave yeah. and go Pick to bed something up on the way because home. you have to be at work at 8 a.m. the next morning because some dick ass manager scheduled you for a clopin. I started um, a rule that I think kind of whatever. I don't know if it gave me perspective or if it was monumental in my life, but it's something that I thought that was interesting. And my one rule was I'm going to not eat in my car anymore or eat while I'm on the move. (laughs) Because I found that like, to your point about how busy we are, Mm -hmm. that eating in my car became this sort of like own ritual of sorts. It's like, well, obviously I'm doing that because one, I can afford it, which is a good thing. And two, I have to be somewhere else to earn more money to then do it again. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like that. So it was sort of like retooling out my thinking on it to like, to your point of when I have time at home to genuinely cook my own meal, Mm -hmm. that's special. Mm -hmm. And I should like be aiming for that instead of just cramming a Sonic burger and a drink and French fries or onion rings Mm -hmm. in my face because it's cheap and I'm getting to my next gig. Yeah. And I think that's kind of, again, to your point about the gig economy, about productivity, that's where we we tend to land on things. And that's why our health is poor. That's why our mental health is poor. That's why our spiritual health is poor. And that that is where my, like, relationship to food and my journey as a foodie has gone in that, like, cooking to me, even all the way to, like, grocery shopping to me is this moment of, like, I'm carving out time for me right now Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna walk through the grocery i'm gonna pick the ingredients i need i'm gonna go home i'm gonna cook i'm gonna make a dish i'm gonna sit down i'm gonna eat that dish and right now nothing else matters in this world because intentionality um, living with intentionality and you know i take shortcuts like we subscribe to home chef which Mm -hmm. like that to me home chef they just send you all the ingredients they send me all the ingredients and like here it is and i don't have to go sponsored ad yeah this is not a sponsored (laughs) ad at all however if you want a promo code i got one uh, for you, just hit me up. But I love Home Chef because it sends me everything that I need. 
and I'm ready to cook because to be fair, you know this about me. I got a lot of shit going on. And so to do something like Home Chef where like it is delivered to my door, I've got everything I need. And I could sit down and I can just cook, cook a meal and just like take a break from the world is what it feels like. Uh, I'm here for it. So all um, intentionality. Intentionality. Live with intentionality, this people. Is good, this is a good place to move on. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> so we'll get on that. And then uh, thank we'll you back for to us you. who get out at us on the DM. We'll answer your question next week. Uh, anything coming up that you'd like to share, Shibbert? Let's see. You got a busy um, week? Everything's chill? Business as usual, except for finally, finally, uh, we're going to the lake tomorrow. Hey, hippie Fine, hollow? Yes. Fine be a, nude with the, with the homies. Fine a fucking Lee. Uh, my husband and I enjoy going to uh, Hippie Hollow, the only clothing optional park in the state of Texas. It is on Lake Travis. The weather has been notoriously homophobic by just raining over and over and over again. And finally, it's like, all right, I think we can go. The weather's great. We have some time off. Um, you know, the floaties are packed. The, the sandwiches are made. You know, it's a whole thing. <laughs> I, no, I love it. We have a wagon. You, when you have a mission, it's yeah. on. We have a wagon. That's what I'm learning. My, and before we had the wagon, we carried it on our backs. But then my husband was like, we're getting a wagon. I was like, all right, we're getting a wagon. And so we have, we've got a cooler that's going to have drinks and water and sandwiches and chips. We've got our floaties that we're going to inflate in the car. We've got our yoga mats plus blankets so that we can find a nice, comfy place and then we also have like this little like pop-up tent to where we're like the sun is hot let's get in there but you know summer's here let's fucking do it i'm so ready for it yeah uh i am looking forward to this evening actually uh shout out to pinto it's her birthday yeah yeah (laughs) uh we are recording on a saturday shout out to the homie pinto always welcome on the pod you're you got stuff to do tomorrow but also because we got plans later tonight to go celebrate our homie pinto's birthday that's right and uh then we're gonna do karaoke at your house yeah so it's gonna be lovely so i'm really looking forward to that it's it's gonna be fantastic i'm already a couple uh tequila shots in so what a way to kick off someone else's birthday rooster on the microphone tonight it's gonna be like what do you want from me what do you want from me we'll see if that makes an appearance but uh thank you all so much for tuning in this is After Two Tequila Shots Podcast. You can find us on all streaming platforms. Tell a friend about us if you like us. Please. Uh, get at us in our DMs. Email us at twotequilashots.com. That's after the number two tequila shots at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> that was not. Uh, that was the tequila. You know, it's sneaking up on us. Maybe. All right, Casamigo. <laughs> uh, Still not $60 want, good. No, not at all. If you want to find more information about me and whatever, else that i'm doing in this world you can go to at gemini's that's at g-e-m-i-n-e-y-e-s on instagram rooster you can find me on instagram at roost mtz that's r-o-o-s-t-m-t-z uh thank you all so much for kicking it with us and as we hash these things out we appreciate you having an hour with us and uh shoot us an email slide into our dms let us know what we need to be talking about until next time people stay safe out there yeah